0: it Heaven, Series Twelve, Episode One: Homecoming. Written by Ollie Wicken, read by Colin Mace. Earth Season, 2019, 2020. It was far too long since she'd last been here. Now, though, at last, she was back on Occupation Road. She walked down the slope and savoured what she saw. On one side of the road was a matte black wall, with bright yellow columns rising from the turnstile entrances. It looked, somehow, like a giant piano keyboard designed by Elton John. On the other side, resisting progress. Resisting glamour were lengths of rust dusted barbed wire and creosoted planks splintering with age. She walked down the middle. This was her Watford. Her Watford was old and new. She'd queued for 1984 cup final tickets here alongside a brick wall topped with broken glass. And she'd stood here behind a barrier watching Troy Deeney in his tracksuit and headphones, mind-focused, jaw set, glide from team bus to players' entrance in two strides. She'd had her autograph book signed by Nigel Callahan as he hopped out of his Datsun. And she'd got a selfie with Roberto Pereira, who, close up, smelt more beautiful than anyone she'd ever met. She couldn't compare the old and the new, and she didn't want to. It all mattered. Her Watford had kept her going during the pandemic, while everyone waited for the football to start up again, hoping for the day when the delayed home game against Leicester could finally take place. During her quarantine, she'd rooted around in the loft and found old, fragile, discoloured newspapers with ecstatic headlines. Watford's wizards, Walker, Scullion, Shake the Champs. Elton's number one hits. Rocket Men, Roar Home. And every day, on YouTube, she'd watch the last match but one, time after time. Ishmael Assar, Watford, two to the good. Deeney is loving that. Watford aren't just beating the would be champions, they're pulling away. Now, though, she was here again home again. She clutched the Leicester programme tight and went through the turnstile. She climbed the steps from the rookery's concrete concourse. At the top she halted. She was in a crowd again. She'd forgotten what it was like. For a moment, she was overwhelmed by the noise, the colour, the movement, the humanity. She gazed around the stadium at the people. Thousands of different lives were temporarily merging in this one place for this one event. Away from here, For the weeks without football, people had had to pursue their lives individually, vulnerably. Here was unity. A football crowd was a show of human strength. She took her seat. To her left was a teenager in an away shirt a couple of sizes too big for him. To her right was a red-faced man eating vinegared chips from the wrapper. Anywhere else, on the street or in a cafe, she might have avoided them. But this afternoon, she and they would be watching the game as companions. And she was glad of it. A chant started up. The boy had an annoying, cracked voice. The man was chewing while he chanted, spraying food. She took a deep breath and joined her voice with theirs. She'd had enough of social distancing. Football gave you social closeness. Then it started. She felt it before she was conscious of what was happening. A shiver was tickling at the back of her neck, dancing through her shoulder blades and scurrying down her back. It was her body's response to something she hadn't yet processed. A split second later, she knew. It was the call, the call she hadn't heard for so long. As soon as she recognized it, the shiver became a warm wave, rippling through her body until it reached the outside corner of her eye where it overspilled, She dabbed it away. Below her, the Watford and Leicester team strode from the tunnel. Behind closed doors, without these thousands here to watch and take part, it would have been 22 men walking onto a patch of grass. Instead, it was an explosion. The stadium resounded. It was a release and a ratcheting raw and raucous. She peered through the raised arms of the fans in front, but this was no imprisonment, no confinement. In a crowd, she was free to express how she felt, free to overreact, free to rage, free to howl. She'd been keeping it in for weeks. Soon, in the warm sunshine, the players took their positions for kickoff, and everything she'd missed became a sharp, delicious anticipation. The arcing flight of a ball, the grace of a flicked pass, the tidal ebb and flow of a back four shifting and adjusting. Only in a stadium could you get a full view of football's patterns, its swirling choreography. You had to be here. And once again, at last, she was. The game kicked off and she felt blessed. Blessed to have football. All over the world there was uncertainty and dread. There was loss. This was her escape. For the next couple of hours, she would be in her happy place. Transported. Spellbound. She watched Nathaniel Chalabar skate forward and thread a pass slightly behind Troy Deeney. Deeney pirouetted and caressed the ball between two Leicester defenders, a perfectly weighted pass for a shot from 12 yards. The ball arrowed wide. The crowd convulsed for a moment, then settled. There was so much to come. From this match and the remainder of the season, The relegation battle, she was sure, would be a roulette of fear, anger, despair and elation, undecided until the final spin. She'd been placing her trust in Troy Deeney, Ben Foster and Etienne Capoue, and in millimetres. For all the precision and mastery in football, it was a game that held you hostage to the subtle deflection, the accidental touch, the unintended swerve. Now Chalabar was on the ball again, not far inside Leicester's half. She saw him roll it short and square. Then she saw a flash of movement further forward. And so did Marco Cassetti. Deftly, Marco made the ball lift and dip so that it swooped into the curving path of Macha Vidra, dropping over his shoulder, Vidra beautifully balanced, Ballerina and kickboxer at once powered the ball high past the static goalkeeper and everything was noise and arms and falling and grabbing and shouting and pure, pure joy. This was her Watford. Her isolation was over. It wasn't only for the next couple of hours that she would be in her happy place, transported and spellbound. She would be here for eternity. Had she come to a better place? She would never see how coronavirus would change the world, for worse, or quite possibly for better. Down on earth, she'd felt anxious about what lay ahead. Up here, the dread had left her. There seemed less that could unravel. Watford's past was here. And much of her own past was here. The victories, the defeats, the whole journey... She could shelter in what had gone before, if needs be. Reminiscing, exploring, learning and understanding. There would be comfort. But there would be hope for the future too. There always was. In the land of the living, the season would begin again. And she'd watch every spin of the roulette wheel, from here, her new version of home. She would be rapt, hurt, thrilled, agonized, and hopefully, eventually, at peace. Her Watford had always sustained her, a dynamo of optimism, and in her passing, succumbing to the virus. Nothing had changed. At this moment, as the match restarted, she was already looking forward to the last minute of this game. The penalty, the counter-attack, the cross, the header, and the fulminating, decisive, mad, glorious, Deeney goal. That moment was coming. For a second time, and not the last. She would know what it truly means, as a Watford fan, to be in heaven. She was here. She was home. And she was in it for the long haul with thousands of others. In solidarity, in community, in a sense of shared love, she grasped the hand of the teenager to her left. Whose name, he'd said, was Derek. For her, for everyone here, there would always be a Watford. Hornet Heaven was created and written by Watford fan Ollie Wicken. It was read by Watford fan Colin Mace. It was produced by Watford fan John Mooney. Music by Watford fans Steve Joy and Jeff Wicken.